This is Apologetics Live with Matt Slick and Andrew Rappaport, part of the Christian Podcast Community. All right, we are live. Apologetics Live here to answer your questions, anything that you have on the plate today. We do have one question that did come in already. We'll get to that in a little bit. Sorry for the delay, folks. Technology is what it is. Technology is a wonderful thing when it works. (laughs) So we're starting a little bit late. Um, Weird, weird stuff that Matt was having some issues with. It seems that... uh, if you use Chrome versus um, versus Internet Explorer, uh, he he was able to hear everybody but me. Which Anthony Silvestro, who's here, loved that idea that that everyone else could be heard but me. Um, Anthony was saying before we went live, if there was a way Matt could sell that feature, uh, he would be a multimillionaire. But uh, unfortunately, he hasn't figured out what went wrong and how he did that. So I guess, Matt, no luck today. You're still going to be broke. Well, the only way for me to become a multimillionaire by having people silence you is to promote you so they could silence you. <laughs> Oh, I actually, for those who weren't watching live, Matt's like sitting there with a cup of tea. and He's moving his hand so quickly. I thought the tea was going to spill over. That would have been great. And I'm thinking it's on this white shirt. The white shirt. Show up. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Oh, with the day you had. So let's start off. Um, I think I went to bed about five o'clock this morning, got up at seven thirty. And when I went to bed, you were on your way somewhere. Yeah, I got up at about uh, actually 20 to 6. My wife had another back surgery. It's her third, actually technically it's her fourth back surgery she's had. And uh, it's the third one within the past couple of months. So now I'm hearing my feedback. Okay, I had to mute Anthony. Sorry, Anthony. So, uh, <clears throat> the surgery went well, and she got a little gripey, um, which is normal, you know, and uh, got her something to eat and all that kind of stuff. And she's doing much better right now. But... Uh, Poor girl, you know, she's uh, just going through it. So thanks for all of your prayers for all the people who lift her up in prayer. She really is struggling um, emotionally uh, because of it. You know, it's a depressing thing to have to to um, deal with constant problems and, and stuff. And in fact, Andrew, you haven't seen her uh, physically in months and months. You'll notice a significant difference when you do see her again. Well, I saw it in the picture. You know, the thing I said that I, you sent me the picture of her in the hospital bed, and I said to my wife, it's amazing. She's still trying to smile. Like, you could see her smiling, and I'm like, I know she's in pain, but she, you could see she's trying. And it's like, I, I just don't know how, I, you know, I remember reading R.C. Sproul had a book on suffering, and he had son that he talked about a vocation of suffering, that some people just can suffer for God's glory where others would, I mean, I probably would cave. I mean, I, I had a, you know, something strange coming back from the Philippines where I just had an abdominal pain and a flu. We didn't know if I got some something while I was over in the Philippines. And I'm like sitting there upset because I can't sleep for a couple nights. And yeah. what she goes through is like, I, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who are worse than she, uh, but, uh, you know, she's, she's a good woman and, and, uh, but it's a lot to bear. And, 
yeah, I'm emotionally, mentally adjusted to just the rest of our lives. I'll be taking care of her. And, uh, and so, you know, she can drive. And so, you know, if, if her normal health is here and complete invalid is here where, I mean, she needed a walker to go three feet to go to the bathroom. And I was in constant pain and, uh, you know, on painkillers just to get through the day. Uh, she's about here now. She's only elevated this much. So she's got that much to go out of, you know, that whole thing. So if, if 10 is you're, you're doing great and one is you're basically wiped, you can't do hard anything, she's about a three and a four. We're hoping she'd get to a five. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, five minutes in and we didn't even introduce ourselves. <laughs> Right. All right. So I'm Andrew Rappaport from Striving for Eternity. <laughs> and with us is our resident apologist here, Matt Slick from Karm.org. And yeah, so we're, we, I guess this is just going to be an off day. It's been a crazy day um, for, for both of us. Uh, little sleep for both of us. But um, we, we have Anthony Silvestro here, Dr. Anthony Silvestro. He'll, we'll just make him carry all the weight for us. Sound good? Yeah, well, there's not much that you and I can carry anyway, so he's got it made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make him carry the that five-pound bag, you know? All right. <laughs> so, actually, I did do some calculations. By the way, Matt, I do have to correct the record. There's very few times I have things I could brag over you, and I, I, I realize there's something. We, we were talking last week about the um, the number of times I spoke in the Philippines, so, uh-huh. so actually, three times on, on uh, let's see, was it Thursday? Three, three messages Thursday, two on Friday, two on uh, Saturday, three on Sunday. So in four days, I did what you did on the cruise in seven. Now, if we give you, say, okay, the, the first, we will not count the departure date and starting date of that. So we get you down to six. I still have you beat on that. Just, just for the record, I got 10 in, in four days. <laughs> Except there's a big difference between your teaching and my teaching. Mine is good and prepared. Exactly what I was going to say, you read my mind. <laughs> Mine's good. Hey, listen, uh, uh, Jason Manning gave a, a super chat, says, Jesus is Lord, praise Jesus, of $2. So thank you for that, Jason. Uh, and as I always try to say, the folks who give to the super chat, you can do that just by hitting that dollar sign in the chat window. That money goes to karm.org. Uh, the agreement, the, the way we've worked out the show with with Carm, we do it on Carm videos because they can they can monetize, and all the money goes to them for the advertising and for okay. the uh, you know for the super chats. So um, anything that comes in from there that will go to Carm. If you want to help support the show, Striving for Eternity is actually the one who puts on the show. Uh, you can go to strivingforeternity.org slash donate. And that's where you could donate to uh, Striving for Eternity if you want to do that. So with that, Matt, um, we did get a question. I know we got a bunch of folks in here. And we got a question that came in and I was hoping uh, Cody would come in here. But he wanted to uh, have us address a clip from Stand to Reason. Stand to Reason is Greg Kokel. Uh, he was asked a question about women, uh, well, really women preaching. And so we, oh, it's a 10-minute clip. So folks, for you to understand, Matt, because of his day, could not listen to this beforehand. So we're going to play the full clip so he can hear it. And that way he and I could respond. All right. Okay. 
So I'm going to play that now. Uh, let's see. Missouri. Let's go there to Mason from Monat, Missouri. Wow. A lot of M's in there, Mason. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, Greg, first of all, uh, I'm about, I'm really new at your program. About two months ago, I've discovered you and I've been kind of eating up everything that you guys got. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Uh, no problem. So thank you for everything you guys have. Uh, but, well, I did want to ask last week, you had a gentleman on your segment, it was probably towards the end. Uh, and you talked about, uh, pat, w- women being pastors. Correct. And you had mentioned first Timothy three, and right. that was the, the qualifications for overseers and deacons. Yeah. Uh, but you had also mentioned First Timothy two, and you said you wouldn't go into it about what you really felt that really sure you felt like yeah you felt like that had meant something else. But right. I wanted to know what was it I meant? Time, <laughs> yeah, you said at the time you couldn't expand on it. I wanted to know if you could expand on that. I like I like to get your take on that if you don't mind. No, of course uh, I'd be glad to do that. Uh, so this is First Timothy chapter two. Um, this is a passage that is frequently. Uh, pressed into service to limit um, f- women's involvement in, in leadership roles in the church. And I'm just going to read it now out of the New American Standard, okay? And um, here is the way it, the passage, relevant passage, uh, reads. I'm starting in, in wor- verse 11. Okay, uh, let me start in verse 9, because there's a change that you need to notice. Like He says, verse 8, I want men... In every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Good. Likewise, I want women, now we're talking about a group, right, to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modestly, discreetly, not with braided hair and gold pearls, costly garments, but rather with good works. Okay. Verse 11. A woman. That's the way the next verse starts. A woman. Now he's not talking about the group. He's talking about a definite article. Hmm. A woman, all right, let's keep reading. A woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Okay. For it was Adam who was first created, then Eve, and it was not Adam who was deceived, but Eve, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so there's more there, but I just want to focus on this passage, okay? Now, this is the passage that is meant to be the proof text for women not being in pastoral roles. Actually, sometimes they're given pastoral roles, but they're not called pastors, it seems to me it doesn't matter what they're called. It matters what they do. Yeah. Okay. Well, it says here, well, really what's going on is it doesn't say that a woman shouldn't teach at all, but this phrase, exercise authority over a man, has a suggestion of usurping authority. So as long as the woman pastor is under a male pastor, then that makes it okay for her. And see, what happens is people, they look at this, they don't want to say, okay, no women woman says anything in the church because that's kind of what it says it's i mean at this at the, the the kind of a bare reading that's what it seems they don't want to say that that's next to so then they they find all of these kind of little nuances that and in my view they got one foot on the on the a pier and one foot in the boat and they're rocking back and forth they're yeah. going to fall into the drink this is untenable kind of way of dealing with it and it's not necessary because there's a very simple solution to this 
The Greek word translated woman is um, gune, like G-U-N-E. All right? The Greek word translated man is aner, A-N-E-R, and that's what they are in this passage. Guner, gune, woman, aner, man. By the way, that's not the only way to translate gune and aner. Gune is also the Greek word for wife. I noticed that. Uh, uh, aner is the Greek word for husband. Well, how do you know when it's a gune and aner, whether you translate it um, woman uh, or or wife or aner you know, which way Which way did it go? Gune for woman? or How do you know what to do? And the, and the answer is, it's always the context. W- when you look at all the other passages, and I've done this where these words appear, when it's clear that the two are not involved with each other intimately, personally, then, um, then they're translated man or woman. Um, but w- w- there are a couple of exceptions, only two that I can think of. And, um, and when they're when they're together in kind of uh, intimate kind of situation, well, they're translated husband and wife because it seems like the context calls for that. This chapter is one of the exceptions. Now, I want you to think now about the language. I'm going to read the passage over again because what it says of a woman is that she must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. Verse eleven. Okay, verse 12, remain quiet. The man talks with authority, not you. Are you married? I am. Okay, if on, on this reading, your wife has to be entirely submissive to me. She's a woman, I'm a man. Okay, she must receive if, my instruction with entire submissiveness on this reading of this passage. Whoops. That does not sound quite right, does it? In fact, on the wrist reading, it seems to me that every woman in the body of Christ has to be responsive to his submissive to every man. That's ludicrous. And given the fact that this is a an on-air and a gune together with the gune receiving instruction with entire submissiveness to the on-air, gee, that seems to me more appropriate to translate that husband and wife. So it would say, I want the women to adorn themselves, the men to pray, the women to adorn themselves. But when it comes to a woman, a wife, she must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, for I do not allow a woman to usurp the authority or exercise authority over a husband. But to me, quiet for Adam <coughs> was made created first and then Eve. That makes perfect sense. There's not a speed bump in the entire thing when you translate it that way. Still with me? Yes, yes, sorry. I'm just waiting, just listening. Yeah, so what this means is, this means is that this passage has nothing to do, no application at all to church leadership, as people have tried to employ it in in awkward, convoluted ways. It's not even speaking to that. It's speaking to the relationship of a husband and a wife in terms of spiritual leadership. And by the way, it, it, this does not prohibit a, a, a wife from teaching her husband something, but rather that she not be the teacher. Okay? So, that, I mean, there's something in the Greek here that indicates that. She can have in, uh, in, 
moments of instructing about something, but she's not the teacher. The husband is the teacher. That's the Jewish tradition. That's the Christian New Testament tradition. It's, I mean, it's compl- no speed bumps. It's perfectly consistent. And if you want to say, well, it was Adam first and not Eve, that's not just Adam the first man and Eve the first woman, but it was Adam the first husband and Eve the first wife. So the parallel is not destroyed if you understand it in that way. And by the way, the only other passage I found where the pattern of uh, translation was not followed consistently when Onaris and, and when Onair and Gune are together in clearly an interactive relationship is in uh, the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10, where it says that, that man is the head of woman and Christ is the head of man and God is the head of Christ. You know that passage? Yes. Yeah, well, it's the same situation there. It's on Aaron Gune. And I, I don't, you know, I don't think that Paul is teaching that every man is ahead of every woman. That means your your wife is under me and my wife is under you. I think it's saying that there's a pattern of leadership in the family and the husband is the head of the wife. And he's, he is accountable to Christ, who is the head of the church, and Christ is submissive to the Father. Okay, and, and that, again, no speed bumps there. Thank you. I, that's a really interesting take on that. Not really, I've been doing studies about it recently. I've got uh, kind of a relative who's going to a church, a local church, that has a, a woman as a pastor. And and so I've just been kind of uh, questioning that. Is really, and, and his mindset was really, well, I don't really want to question her call. Oh and, yeah, that oh don't don't even get me started. Question or call? Well, this is the very question: whether she has a call or not. Just yeah. the, the question is whether it's biblical. Now, yeah. I I would not discount if if this woman is the head pastor. Is she the head pastor, or just part of the pastoral staff? She's she's a co-pastor. She's the one who founded it, and uh, then oh, yeah. she okay. kind of brought somebody. Then up she is that. a de facto elder. Yes. Yes, and chapter three says no, no, no on that. Okay, that's right. That's what I figured. Yeah, that's my take. That's what we talked about last week. And uh, but chapter two, some people would invoke that. I don't think it's fair to invoke that. It's not related to that. So on my view, then women cannot be head pastors or elders because a head pastor is an elder, or even an associate pastor in an elder role, in a de facto elder role. But as long as she's under the leadership of the rest of the the uh, group then she can do all kinds of functions in the church. I don't see any restriction at all. What about teaching men? Where does it say that a woman can't teach a man? Only if she can't be the teacher of her husband. That's all in chapter 2. So I, I, I think that sometimes this is an occasion where the translation has been influenced a little bit by bias, and that's why it doesn't say husband or wife. I'm curious what, you know, I... I I've I've been holding this view for years. I've never heard anybody give me anything like a fair refutation, especially when I'm looking at the context, and it just says, you know, a woman must receive quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. What relationship is that in the church? Minimally, I mean, that's the if at all, if anything, it's it's the marital relationship. But um, you know, as testified by Ephesians five and Titus two and other passages, First Peter chapter three, that say the same thing. So I think this is um, this is in that category. All right. So first off, before Matt responds, uh, we want to give a quick shout out. Someone gave a $20 super chat, said, God bless you, Matt and Andrew, just before we got started. So sorry about that. And I think it's 
NavTimer1884. Thank you very much for the $20 donation to CARM.org. We appreciate that. Um, Matt, there's a lot of things that I noticed in here, and I will say up front that I do know Greg Coco personally. Uh, I like him as a teacher. There are some areas he and I disagree. This is going to be one of them. Um, it seems he makes a distinction, Matt, between being a head pastor versus a pastor under a male pastor. So it seems like he's okay with a female pastor under a man and that she can teach according to that verse. What say you? Well, I, I didn't get that out of what he said. The very last segment, I, I was I was on the same thing. I'm going, wait a minute, is he going to say it's okay for a, uh, for that? And then I think he said associate pastor. It's not okay for her to be associate pastor. No, he, he was saying that she could be an associate pastor under the head pastor. Because so he asked the question to the gentleman, is... We should play that again. Sure. We play that last minute that, just to verify. Yeah. Okay. It'd be important. That's what he talked about last week. and uh, But chapter 2, some people would invoke that. I don't think it's fair to invoke that. It's not related to that. So on my view, then, women cannot be head pastors or elders because a head pastor is an elder. Or Okay, so there's the head pastor or elder. Right. And and now we get the question of, is this woman a, pa- a head pastor? An associate pastor in an elder role, in a de facto elder role. Because I wanted to hear what he said, the whole flow. Just back up to 15 seconds. That's what he talked about last week. and uh, But chapter 2, some people would invoke that. I don't think it's fair to invoke that. It's not related to that. So on my view, then, women cannot be head pastors or elders because a head pastor is an elder or even an associate pastor in an elder role, in a de facto elder role. But as long as she's under the leadership of the rest of the the uh, group, then she can do all kinds of functions in the church. I don't see any restriction at all. What about teaching men? Where does it say that a woman can't teach a man? Only if she can't be the teacher of her husband. That's all in chapter 2. So I, okay. I, I think that sometimes this is an occasion where... Okay. Um... Yeah, so he did say what I thought, but he's contradicting himself. And, you know, being a radio guy myself, I understand. We can certainly say things, and then you read it later. Listen to it later, and you go, eh, I should have said it better. And, and you know, that's fine. I've talked to Greg Coco on the radio before, too. He's a great guy. Um, but uh, he did say women cannot be pastor, head pastors or elders. And he said uh, cannot be the um, associate pastor. Or he said, or even an associate pastor in an elder role. Yeah. So he's he's saying no no head pastor, no associate pastor, uh, and he says in an elder role. That's really interesting because by definition, any pastor is an elder. First Timothy 5.17, which we can talk about, that shows that that is the case. But then he says, I don't see, other than that, I don't see any restrictions at all. Well, wait a minute. That's a, He's refuting himself um, because if there's no restrictions at all, then... They could be associate. They could be a pastor, but he said there are no. It can't be pastors, but but there's no restrictions at all. So he's not. You know, he just misspoke. If they ask him about the clarification on that, um, and he said only that she cannot be the teacher of her husband. Uh, it, so as far as that whole exegesis of that, I don't really have a problem with that. Uh, that whole exegesis uh, that it's just about a woman and a man or a husband and a wife. I mean, I could leave that alone and say, fine, that, that wouldn't have any bearing on the issue of whether or not pe- women can be pastors and elders because Titus chapter 1, 1 Timothy 3 uh, clearly negates it. 
Hold on a second. Well, he even said in, in chapter 3 of Timothy that would negate it because of the fact that yes. you can't be a husband and one wife. Um, if you're a woman, although nowadays, yeah, okay, yeah, play, yeah, play no. games with the words and then anything goes. But but it, it, it did sound like he was saying that this this family member of the, the caller was had a founding pastor who was a woman and it sounded like he was saying it was okay in that case because there was a man over her i didn't quite get that but that's something we got to ask him if he does say that it's okay i don't think he did but if he did say or intend to say that it was okay if she was under another pastor then that would he's then he's wrong yeah i don't think he was saying that but let me go through my notes a little bit now let me let me say this there's one thing i picked up on um he was saying there's a definite article because he was saying when he read through it, I desire that in every place the man, and he said that's a definite article. Then he kept he kept going through and he kept referring to, uh, in verse 12, a woman. He was saying that was a definite article. So as he went through, he was talking about the definite articles. And they aren't actually definite articles in the Greek. They might seem that way in English. The only definite articles that we have in this pericope, and a pericope is just a section of Scripture, verse 8 when it says, the man should pray, man is a definite article there. The only other definite article is in verse 14 where it says, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman. The word woman there is a definite article. Those are the only two definite articles there. Sorry, but we got it a little bit. <laughs> the definite article in Greek is the word the. That's just that's all it is. The definite article is the word the. Well, yeah, and, yeah, the the the. the. Yeah, this is a, uh, and uh, there is no indefinite article. I, I noticed what he said because he said. Uh, he said, um, a woman, uh, a woman is, is, uh, where's my notes? A definite, uh, a woman, he said is a definite article. That's not correct. It would be the indefinite article, but there is no indefinite article in Greek. We have the word, like I went to a store today. A is the indefinite article in English. Uh, I went to the store today. The is the is the definite article. A is the indefinite article. The is the definite article. Greek only has a definite article, the word the, which has 24 different forms. And then the nouns have to match the, the definite articles. But he was, he was grammatically incorrect in what he said there. Yeah, um, and I, th- I think that sometimes in the English we add the words, and that may be what he was, because he was reading from the English. And, and, you know, it's just, he, he wasn't precise, but, uh, you know, whatever. So while he was talking, because you and I both have Logos, we know how great Logos is. So I went in and looked up the word aner, which is uh, husband and um, or man, and Strong's number uh, 435. It occurs 216 times in the New Testament. 52 times it's rendered in the English as husband. 141 times it's rendered as um, man. And there's a few other different different translations of other topics. But uh, by far, it's at l- almost three to-, three to one man to husband. That doesn't prove anything. It's just showing that the majority English translation is not husband, but a man. And he's right. Context determines the meaning. So I also had time to go look at Gune, uh, which is uh, Strong's number. What was it? I got it. Whatever. Strong's number 1135. And uh, it occurs 200 16 times 214 according well, oh well wait yeah. a minute don't tell wait a second i got to check something out 216 times that's the word 
Gune, 216, according to what I see. And then... Well, you're looking at NASB. Yeah, in the, yeah, I just do the NASB. And then, but I'm going to go back and look at this on the... Because that's 216. Maybe I just took my numbers in wrong. But um, 435. No way. It's also 216 times. In, in this... Do it. Interesting. Hey, it never had to happen before. So it threw me for a loop. How could I, I take the numbers wrong? How about that? So uh, Matt likes coincidences. I like coincidences. They prove evolution's true. <laughs> so uh, uh, anyway, it's uh, wives eighty-one times, men or women hundred twenty-seven times. Um, so anyway, they mean what they mean in, in context. Uh, but here's here's some ramifications of the idea. Let's just. Uh, I, I think you know. I think what he's exegeted is is within orthodoxy. I wouldn't. If I was debating him, I wouldn't say no. I totally disagree. I'd go. Yeah, it makes some sense. It does. However, let's look at something. Okay, I do not want a woman or a wife to teach her husband or exercise authority of him over him, but remain quiet for. First husband Adam was was uh, he was first created and then the wife Eve was created. That's a loose translation. All right, so the woman, the wife, is not to teach or exercise authority over the man, over the, over the husband. Now, some women have said to me, in defense of women pastors and elders, that this passage is talking about husband and wives. And so I, was, I thought he might be going a different direction with this, but I don't have a problem with what he said. I mean, I necessarily agree with it 100%, but, you know, it's not, I wouldn't debate him on it. It's not, a, not that big a deal. We could discuss probabilities and some things, because he's right. It's actually tied to chapter 1, 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 Timothy five seventeen. That really put this whole issue to rest. But since he says this in 1 Timothy 2.12 and 1 Timothy 3.15 says that Paul says he's given instruction on how to behave in the household of God which is a church, the pillar and foundation of the truth he's talking ecclesiastically he's saying he's giving instruction to the church, now the church of course could be the proper uh, building but it could also be the body of believers so no problem either way we could, we could go that and there's some discussions either way, it'd be fun so when I've talked to the to women about this who believe in women pastors and elders, they will um, they'll sometimes say, "Well, a woman, a, a wife can't teach her husband, but she can be a pastor." Because this is about husband and wives, not about pastors and and, and stuff. And I go, "Okay, let's work with that." So a woman is not to teach her husband. Uh, excuse me, a wife is not to teach her husband. And she gets up to preach in the church. Sorry, he can't attend. Right? Yeah. That'd be a problem. It'd be a problem. And so um, that that exegesis, uh, what I was doing with it and from my perspective here to demonstrate that that position is ridiculous, does not challenge, nor does it need to be challenged by what Greg Kokel said. I think what Greg Kokel said is, is, is fine. Um, but I do believe that uh, um, it says a woman uh, and a man, it could be understood in different senses. It doesn't have to be husband and wife because it doesn't necessarily mean husband and wife with Adam and Eve because he didn't say husband and wife. He didn't say that. Uh, he didn't say it was marriage, but he talked about the created order. It's a created thing that God has and where the woman is not to be an authority over a man. 
And we know if it's at least in the in the marriage context, well, we go back and we look at what Paul was talking about in the context. You'll notice that in Genesis 3, Satan came to Eve, not to the husband. Why? Because the authority was that Adam had the authority. The system was, the setup was that Adam had authority over his wife, period. And the reason we know that is because he named the animals and he named her. It's a symbol of authority that he had. He named her, and Satan usurped or went, you know, around the goalpost, so to speak, and went to her, and then she went to the husband. So we could make the case from looking at the Old Testament that this is not just an issue of husband and wife, but an issue of authority flat out, period. Because that's how it's supposed to be. But then there's strength and their weaknesses with that as well. So I'm, just, I'm saying that this is not as easy uh, to, to wade through. His position, I don't have any, uh, I wouldn't uh, say it's false. Yeah, there, there's a, so grammatically it's, it's plausible. Yeah. Uh, but looking at the context, and I think you brought up one of the things I, I noted was the issue, the argument Paul is making of this command, this prohibition, is dealing with creation. He's not giving the Adam and Eve as a symbol of husband and wife because it's dealing with creation order. Then the next verse deals with the sin order. So it, it, it has to do back in creation where this is the way God ordered things with Adam, then Eve, and the sin was Eve, then Adam. Those are, That's the reason for this instruction. So <clears throat> I guess it was as we worked through this, when we look at this and he gives the instruction and then in verse 13, four, that's a purpose clause. So the, the instruction in verse 12, but I do not allow woman to teach or exercise authority over man, but to remain quiet. The reason for that goes back to creation. Adam formed before Eve not just general husband, general wife, but Adam and Eve in creation. Then Eve sinned. It's actually the woman sinned and then, uh, you know, was deceived. So it goes back, both those points go back to creation. And I think the thing that where I see the difficulty with the argument being made there is just because as we look at the verse, the, the purpose statement doesn't support a husband and wife. Because he would be saying that a, a wife must, uh, you know, must be quiet, receive instruction submissively, uh, and a wife must uh, not teach or have exercise, uh, exercise authority over her husband, but remain quiet, quiet because of creation. Well, if that... If that's true, actually, I think this would end up having a reverse effect because if that's true, just be it by nature of husband and wife, not church roles, then realistically, yeah, a woman shouldn't be able to speak to a man because that would end up putting it where this is a creation issue. You know, yeah. I, I don't, I actually don't think the context supports the argument that he's making. I think we agree that first Timothy three Titus makes it very clear. Women can't be pastors. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're good teachers. It, it, it's just, this is what God has ordained. 
And the reason, as we said, and you've talked about this a lot on, on this show and on your radio show, the issue of federal headship, that's what we see in this. I, I think the, the purpose clause that we see here is that Adam was formed first as the federal head, then Eve. Eve rebelled against that being deceived first, and that's, that's what I think is, is the issue. It's federal headship here. Uh, at the very least, there's a lot of different directions that we could take on this. Overall, this would be nice to Greg. Uh, I don't see any. I don't see any exegetical problem with it. I think it's within the range of acceptance. Yes. but I think there's more to it. Yeah, and I mean, for folks who may not know who Greg Kokel is from Stan to Reason, I, I I thoroughly enjoy his ministry. I I I've spoken at conferences with him. I get along with him very well. The uh, he does not. He's not a person who comes to a radio and without a thoughtful answer. Even if though he's asked, being asked questions live on the radio, he is a very thoughtful speaker. So he doesn't just give kind of off the cuff answers without thinking through. And if he doesn't, if he's not ready to give an answer, he says so. So I think he's thought through this. He, as he said, he's this has been his his position for a long time. Uh, he just hasn't seen anything that is convincing otherwise. Um, that's okay. So that's uh, Cody Robbins had asked about that. So that was uh, just we want to make sure we got that in for him, even though he's not in here. He did send that in. Well, just uh, make a comment here. Um, we had an interesting caller on the radio today about this topic. Yeah, that must be because everybody in the chat is asking if the lady from the radio station is, I guess, Sarah was her name. No, it was something else. But at any rate, uh, I don't think it was her. Well, uh, yeah, people were pointing it out in the chat quite a bit. Yeah, she. It was, uh, I spent a half hour with her, probably or twenty five minutes, twenty ish. I don't know, but uh, for quite a bit because I wanted people to see bad exegesis, and this is what actually happened. You didn't hear the show, so she called up and she took umbrage with something I said. She said a friend of hers said that I said she wanted to verify it. Then I said that if you go to a church with a woman pastor and elder, you should just leave. She, and I said, yep, that's right. And uh, why would you say that? And we get into some stuff. She proceeded to, to try and, and defend the idea of women being pastors and elders. And one of the reasons was because, hey, there's neither male nor female in, in uh, Christ. And uh, I said, well, uh, that has nothing to do with the, the pastoral epistles as to the salvation. I went to First Timothy 2.12. And we went over that issue, okay? Did not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over man, but remain silent for Adam was first created. And uh, so that's the authority issue right there. See, it's it's the authority issue. She's not to have authority over man. And Paul says in the next chapter, he's, he's talking the church context. So this is not to happen. So right there, she can't be an elder. I went to uh, Titus chapter 1. I went to 1 Timothy 3, um, uh, where the Greek says, on Aramis Gunaikos, a man of one woman. And I said to her, so can you be a man of, because she said she was an elder at a church. I said, can you be a man of one woman and as an elder is supposed to be? And she said, I can be a wife of one husband. And I said, can you be an el- a man of one woman? And she said, well, I can be a wife of one husband. She wouldn't answer the question. And uh, then it, it just digressed from there. And she started saying that Paul was wrong about some things. She disagreed with Paul. And he was just a man like us. That's all he was. <laughs> That's how bad it went. So it well, was quite a good conversation. Well, for those who... I, I for, she's, she's a heretic. I called her a heretic. For those who are watching, she really wouldn't like this that I put up from Reformation Pages, made a meme of me while I was down in the Philippines, 
with a quote that I had there, she really would be unhappy with this. I, I had said in answer to a question, if you go to a church with a woman pastor, she's not a pastor, and it's not a church. I don't think she'd be happy with me. No. And, um, but somebody else called up and said, well, does it mean they're not saved? And, and, um, you know, no, it doesn't mean they're not saved. They just, they just don't know. And, and, uh, then she started saying, that reminds me, she started saying, well, men are doing their jobs. <laughs> I'm going, you got that right. I agree. I agree. And so then I did a little, little spiffy thing about men, get off your lazy rares. And if you're going to a church or the woman's a pastor, you take your family. If you're married to your family, you say, nope, we're leaving. And if your wife doesn't want to make any more sandwiches, <laughs> I said, it's so what, you know, I had to keep it kind of low, you know, and, uh, but I just like, I started talking, men act like men, do what you got to do, stand up for the truth, stop, stop, you know, following your wife around and seeing what she says, read the word of God, do what the word of God says. And if she doesn't like it, then so be it. Who cares? She she deprives you of stuff. Okay, then fine. You stand on the word of God. That's what you got to do. So act like men, 1 Corinthians 16, 13. We need to have a conference called the 1 Corinthians 16, 13 conference. <laughs> and I want to talk. Oh man. <laughs> oh, man. I wish Matt would say what he really believes. All right. So <laughs> um, let me real quick, I was going to ask uh, Dr. Sylvester if he has anything he wants to pipe in on this. But before we do, uh, Navtimer1848. Or sorry, 1884, got that, switch those numbers, uh, gave a $10 super chat there. Um, I, I invited him to come in, but I guess this is his way of getting a question asked. <laughs> give, give a donation to Carmen, you get your question asked. So, gents, I have no issue with interracial marriage. Moses' wife was Ethiopian, but how do we reconcile that with Deuteronomy 7, 3, and 4, which seems to forbid it? Uh, is God t- uh, talking about inner religion or inner race? So let me, before we answer that question, let me uh, stay on this one topic. Just let uh, Dr. Svestro get a word in. If he has anything to say, then we'll ask that. And then Andre is next up. I, I can't even believe that that's an issue. I, I, I thought when you first told me this, Andrew, it was going to be regarding women open air preaching. <laughs> <laughs> to which I have a whole bunch of stuff to say, too. <laughs> But I guess we'll save that for a different day. Well, you and you and Matt might might, might disagree on that. I think you guys are going to be on on opposite ends, and I'm going to be in the middle. <laughs> uh, but what do you what do you any any comments you have on the on the First Timothy three? No, I think you guys nailed it. All right. So, so then, Matt, before we get to Andre, let, let's get to his question about interracial marriage in Deuteronomy seven. I will. In, in deference to Matt, I will read Deuteronomy 7, 3, and 4 out of the, you know, NIV, or sorry, the, the New American Standard. Same, same thing, same thing. <laughs> Put your right hand in front of your face. <laughs> well, I was going to use the elect standard version, but, you know. Oh, God. <laughs> Man. I mean, you would prefer the new Armenian standard Bible. That's okay. No, um, the NIV is called the nearly inspired version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I laugh at that kind of stuff. You did uh, that, that funny meme today about uh, the you know, oh, anti Baptist. I'm a pedo Baptist. It was a, a funny meme of anti pedo Baptist. I was, I was laughing. I, <laughs> I, 
I can take a joke. You can too. It's all actually. I think that originally originated from Car. Uh, uh, was it Nathan or? Somebody. Yeah. What? Okay. Cameron's wife. Or Cam- maybe it was Cameron's. Okay. So anyway, so here's what Deuteronomy seven says. Furthermore, you shall not intermarry with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor shall you take their daughters for your sons, for they, uh, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods, and. Uh, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and he will quickly destroy you. So, is this a inner religion or inner race? Um, the Cushite is an Ethiopian, and in Numbers 12, uh, that's where Moses married a Cushite woman. And then Miriam and Aaron were uh, upset about that, and... Um, God, you know, defended uh, stuff and uh, made him made him white, which is interesting. Made her white and not him. Why? It's that's a trivia thing. Why did did Miriam get cursed, but not Aaron? Though both of them were the were, were guilty of murmuring. The well, maybe for the black years? Hebrew Israelites, what if what if they were white to start? Ooh, what if Aaron's white, white and that's why he couldn't turn white? <laughs> black Hebrew Israelites would have a problem. Well, they're white because it's leprosy. Now, the BHI people should say whiteness and leprosy are the same thing, and it's a, we're cursed because we're, we're leprous. I'm sure you probably have. Anyway, uh, Aaron was a high priest. He had to be ceremonially clean to offer the sacrifice. So it looks like what was at issue here is not uh, race, because there's only one race, the human race, and we have different colors of skin. That's it. That's how it works. And so when it's talking in Deuteronomy 7, it's talking about going after false gods and pagans and uh, paganism. And it says here, if you notice, it says in verse 1, clear the the way of the many nations before you, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, and the Gazuntites. And uh, they were all in there. The Gazuntites incidentally got wiped out because they could never sneak up on anybody. (laughs) Oh, man. That was pretty bad. Yeah. yeah it was pretty bad. It was, it was pretty bad. I actually used that on a, from a pulpit once, and people just say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all this guy. And you wonder why no one wants you at their pulpit? It was funny. You know, <laughs> they got a kick out of it. We kept going. You know, the Gesundheits. No one could ever, you know, they couldn't think up on anybody. I, I, the Gesundheits are coming. You know, I like what anyway. John is saying in chat. Bad, bad dad jokes. Well, he just said dad jokes, but. Bad dad. Jason Manning saying the same thing. That's a dad joke. <laughs> the bad dad joke. So at any rate, and it looks like I'd have to check for verification, but I think the issue would be that uh, the Kushite woman was um, probably uh, a believer in the true living God, and he, he married. That would be what I would check, because there are a lot of Ethiopians who are true believers and have Jewish heritage. So that's I would check to see if that's it. And if it wasn't the case, then I'd have to go down and check it out some more and see what was going on. Yeah, now I would end up saying, I mean, this is actually similar to the last passage we dealt with. Verse 4 starts uh, with a conjunction 4 that is actually like a purpose clause here. So he's giving an instruction, do not intermarry with them. That's the instruction. Why? Well, he gives us the reason, which tells us the reason that this instruction is given. They will turn your sons away from me. Keep in mind. This is Deuteronomy. This is the end of the 40-year period. Let's, at the historical context, Israel, they 
They went 40 years in the wilderness. During that time, you have numbers 22, 23, 24, and 25. If you read those passages, those chapters, you're going to see that Balak was paid to curse Israel. He was a prophet for God. He wouldn't actually curse Israel because God didn't curse them. So what he did was instructed Balak how to get God to curse Israel, since God wouldn't allow Balaam to do it. What he did was say, have your daughters marry their husbands. They will then basically be violating what God had said, and God will end up cursing them. And that's that was what Balaam's idea was. That's what ended up happening. So this is an instruction going back to Numbers 22 to 25. And the reason given it tells us why that this has nothing to do with race, it has to do with driving your heart, the hearts of the people away from God. That's the reason given. So, in looking at the purpose clause, we end up seeing, I think, what the real issue is. The issue is not the race, but it is the religion. It is that they would their hearts would be turned away. Okay. Right. Now, if we're going to take a New Testament look at this, we would see in Corinthians where he says, you can't have partnership light with darkness for the same reason. You can't be unequally yoked because the hearts will be driven away from God. So you, this is a consistent thing, Old and New Testament, passive, but, or not passive, uh, pattern that we see that God wants us being married to people that are equally yoked in faith. And so that would be the thing. So there, and I'll, I'll say this, and I'm going to, I'm going to trigger Dr. Silvestro, and then he's going to, he's going to jump in after this one. There is only one race. There's only one race called the human race. If you want to look at races in the Bible, the only races the Bible talks about is the unsaved race and the saved race. And we probably triggered Dr. Silvestro. <laughs> you know, what's really triggered me actually is I, I've got to give a, a sermon at an apologetics conference in August on the social justice movement. <laughs> and, uh, and so I've been studying this out a lot lately. And uh, yeah, so talk about being triggered is this whole issue of, of the racism that is being brought back in um, into society. <laughs> you know, a lot of it from Obama and people like him yeah. done this and having to, to go back to the Bible in a correct understanding of, of race. That's right. So, you know, it's, it sickens me to see the church where we're supposed to be teaching properly, teaching creation pop properly, teaching um, one race properly all from Adam and Eve, and then seeing it be undone by the social justice movement among many other things, obviously, you know, the whole, the whole, you know, gospel being changed and repentance being changed is, uh, it's even worse. Well, I, I know Matt, you did. You probably did not know what happened with the SBC today, and Doctor Svestro might. I do. You do. I figured you would. But uh, yeah, today the uh, Southern Baptist Convention met and decided that they think that intersectionality is a good way of determining things for uh, you know churches and stuff like that. Wait, wait, wait. I did. What is, what is intersectionality? In other words, inter what? So th- this is the idea well, of the word. The yeah. Word. So th- this is the idea that that the more victims. Well, hold on, say, uh, Matt, you are low man on the totem pole. That's what it means. Yeah. Okay, I'm more confused now. So, uh, so it's what, it's about victim status. Type the word out so I can understand the word. Yeah, I think it's just got typed out. There. Yeah, John typed it out. So 
what this is, intersectionality is the idea that if I'm if I'm black, I'm a victim, but if I'm a black woman, I have two counts for me because I have two victim statuses. If I'm a black woman lesbian, I have three. You know, so it's what? yeah. So so the, no, I'm not. I'm not I, I am. I, I'm sorry. I'm not following you guys. Uh, I just got this is this is a new word for me, and I'm I'm looking yeah. it up as we're talking. Intersectionality. M- Matt's about to go ballistic when he figures this out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I can tell. The interconnected nature of social categorizations such as race, class, and gender as they apply to a given individual or group regarding as creating overlapping and interdependent systems of discrimination or disadvantage. So it's the interconnectedness of disadvantage, advantage or disadvantage. Okay. With supposed disadvantage or actually the better word would be oppression. So the more points you have, the more oppressed you are by society. society. So if you're a black woman lesbian, you're more oppressed. Than somebody who's just a black woman. But you're straight. Well, what about a white male Christian? He's you, way down the, no, that's you, why you said at the bottom of the... Now I got you. Bottom, yeah. You have zero points. You're, you're not going wait, to... Oh, so, oh, wait, I'm not oppressed. Well, it, no, you're the oppressor. <laughs> you're the Their one. perspective, I'm, I'm an oppressor. You're Correct. the evil one. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so that's that's uh that's Southern Baptists so, okay. have just accepted okay, that. So the SBC said what? They they're going to use that as I guess when it comes to looking at churches, defining churches, looking at new churches, they're going to look at um they're going to they're going to start accepting that as part of their criteria. I didn't get a chance to read the full document. I did talk to Tom Buck, who actually stood on the floor at the SBC and tried responding to it, but he said they basically said, go pound sand. Okay, Maybe well, not those words. Hey, this is new. I, gotta, I mean, I got to learn about this, and you guys are way this ahead is, of me on this This one. is the whole social justice issue. Um, if you remember a while ago, we, we had that statement on social justice yeah. and gospel. We had that guy, yeah. and you, you spent what... 20 minutes, I think it was our very first episode, you spent 20 minutes trying to get him to define it. <laughs> so, Matt, how high is your IQ, thereabouts? I don't know. I've had different tests, 140s, I don't know. I mean, so let's say 140. So what you have to do is is um, you, you have to take like an NAR view of the canonic theory, and you have to set aside about 80 IQ points. To be well, that would be, then you got to start talking to Andrew. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that that's about how you start to understand this. That's why. Oh, that's why he got it so quickly. I <laughs> oh my! That's now. <laughs> uh, in, in all seriousness, Matt, this makes no sense. It is utterly ridiculous. But the, the, the whole the whole understanding is is let's say outside of the church first, right? There's this, there's this idea that the white man has been the one who has been suppressing everybody else from being able to rise up and get the better jobs to make more money because there's, they believe that there's a whole system that's in place that um, they have been oppressed in. Okay. Now look, don't get me wrong. They're, <laughs> you know, I got a comment yeah, <laughs> I'm still in debt from seminary and college from the 80s and 90s. I work 60, 70 hour weeks. I have uh, stress and strain on me, and I worked my 
tail off to get where I'm at. I haven't oppressed anybody. I have been oppressed left and right. So but what, what's this oppressive crap? Seriously. I, I'm not saying my, you know, my, my one experience doesn't mean anything. I mean, so what? I got, you know, I used to work out at, at, uh, at the gym um, at martial arts. We had a black guy in there. He came over and a whole bit. He and my daughter would go do things together. I wasn't oppressing him. He got jobs. Well, he had to go get his own job. He had to work like anybody else. The easiest way for you to Man, understand it, Matt. These little diaperinian pieces of crap. <laughs> the easiest way to understand is this is it's a it's a political system to bring about socialism. That's really the easiest way to understand oh, yeah, yeah. it. Yeah. And now it's in the church. Yeah. Yeah. And in the church it's replacing yeah. the gospel. That's the real concern of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pieces of <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, my spiritual Tourette's is, is on the verge of coming in. <laughs> I'll be helping with this. So they they want to push me over the edge for entertainment. <laughs> you want to rate churches based on your overall <laughs> oppression? <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Rate churches on their oppressive quality. Be based based on, on what? That white? Are, how many white people are in there? How affluent they are? How hard they work? What their IQs are? How they have really worked hard? You know what, Anthony? You're you're well off because you're a dentist and you sold your practice. You are automatically an oppressor. <laughs> yeah, I'm like the negatives, actually. <laughs> oh, you owe people. Yeah, you. Yeah, that's right. I know. <laughs> it's 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 incredible. Yeah. So okay. Church, yeah. Keep explain keep explaining that. Let's uh, Anthony explain that again because the, the the look on Matt's face when his tr- spiritual Tourette's kicks in is great. So we'll, we'll keep him on camera. You explain. <laughs> so they're going to rate churches based on the whiteness of the church because that's going to be a symbol of the amount of oppression. That is occurring in churches in general, but especially specific churches. Okay, so let's get this straight then. If you're white, you're not right. White males. Because white females get a point (laughs) being female. Yeah, they get one point. White males are, what was it? What was it I got called? I'm I'm a child of the devil. What was it? Beach, I guess, said. Oh, yeah. You're a white devil. White yeah. devil, white yeah. Men, okay, white men are white devils, okay? So women then are what? White women are what? Well, they get a point. They get they one get point for being a woman. Well, they're not white devils. They have to be something a little bit better than a devil. What, just demons? Maybe just a demon. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> white women are de- demons. Or, or, uh, you, you do... You do realize, Anthony, that this is going to set Matt off for like next week. He's going to come up with next week. He'll have a whole structure for intersectionality. Well, now let me tell you what I'm waiting for. And folks, you have all heard you've all heard this first on on Apologetics Live. Now, how can it be if you are a what if you are a black straight male? So you get a point. Versus a white straight female should also be a point. Now, do we think that maybe one of them, the point's going to be worth a little bit more than the other one at some point? Well, it depends. It depends. If it's an issue of sex, then the woman wins. 
Yeah. See, th- this is where the confusion is going to come into play, right? They're go- they're going to have to break this down further. It's not going to be so simple as just making Venn diagrams and determining how many of their um, oppressions intersect, right? And and the number of points they get and, off. Of and what do you do uh, system at some point? John is bringing up or abortion. How, what do you do with abortion <clears throat> when you think about it? They they say that men are supposed to stay out of the decision making on abortion because. We're men, but wasn't it men that legalized it? I guess that should mean if men have to stay out of that issue, abortion should be made immediately illegal until women voted in. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, poor poor Andre's been waiting here. <laughs> We've. I, I opened up a, a landmine. Oh yeah. So poor Andre is going to now come in to ask his his yes, question. Yes, Matt. There's actually a. There's actually, <laughs> I need to find this. I'm serious. I need to find it. Yeah, you can find the Venn diagrams everywhere. But here's the problem: is this this is such Venn? Spell Venn as in Venn. So this diagram on what would be the thing I'd look for? Functionality. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. And so you'll find and, and there's all kinds like if you go to just Google Images, there's boatloads of Google oh, Images. Where have I been? Some have like five circles. Some have like seven circles. Oh, I'm looking at it. So, yeah. So th- there's there's lots of fun things in there. Mike, I have a question. Yeah. How stupid can people get? I, I know. I, I, I'm telling you. That's why I said you got to set aside about half your IQ to try to start to understand this stuff because it really is is mind boggling. Well, and Matt, I'm going to social reconstruction. I'm going to drop in social um, socialism as a key. Go ahead. I'm dropping in the chat uh, both on YouTube and here. Uh, the there's a statement that several of us were involved in putting together the statement on social justice and the gospel at statement on social justice.com. Uh, you can go there and, and look at, um, actually, let me see how many signers now I'm a, I was one of the early on, so, so there's now over 11,000, but it goes yeah. through and says what we, what we agree with and what we disagree with basically point by point through this whole thing. It, the only problem though with the Dallas statement, I, I like it. I don't know if it clearly talks about why you guys have done certain points. Correct. That well, the issue the yeah, issue is like, is that the plan was and and is happening is uh, when you go to there and you look under resources, each one of those articles will have a if not yet. The plan is to every article will have a blog article or more. For each one, explaining in in greater depth. So uh, you know, you should go back to there and look under resources because I, I know several of the initial signers um, were writing up some documents for that. Yeah, well, that's good. That's going to be necessary going forward. Um, you know, it, as part of this apologetics conference, I'm going to be speaking at. I, obviously, we're going to be giving a copy of the Dallas statement to everybody, but. Unless the links are up there by by then, I'm going to have to explain why each of these points was necessary. To put oh yeah, the there's. I'm, I'm looking right now. There's uh, there's like uh, three pages of of different articles. James White, Tom Askell, Daryl Harrison, Tom Buck, Josh Bice have all written different articles. Phil Johnson, John yeah, MacArthur, several up that I've read. Huh. 
Yeah, I, I've seen several of Josh's. Justin Peters has has a couple articles out there. I'll have to read through them and see how much they address. This is such a it's such a new thing, right? This really popped up big after the MLK thing last year. So we're only a year into this right now, and uh, there seems there seems to be a lot of. Um, a lot of stuff being written about and they're still figuring out a lot of this critical race theory stuff. So, you know, I don't know if this is going to continue to be this amorphous movement as time goes on, or if it's going to get a little bit more targeted. Um, I think it's going to be the end of the SBC. I think they're going to split over it and they'll make Beth more the president. Yeah. Well, so look, they may, they may have to, yeah, this, it, it's ridiculous when it comes down to gospel, the gospel issues. So, Matt, I, I don't know how much again you you understand about all this, but you know what it what it's come down to is there has been suggestions that um, because we are white males, and, and so again, it, it's really this is as Andrew said, it's about Marxism. It's about redistri- redistribution of wealth overall, and so. Every every point within this critical race theory really points back to that issue. Now, some of the things that Tabidi has said and other guys has been, <clears throat> our people are responsible for slavery back in the day. Even though, you know, my ancestors were from Italy like 40 years ago, but whatever. So <laughs> we're responsible for that. And that um, we... Uh, we have to repent over other people's sins, right? I know it's kind of odd, right? So we have to repent for other people's sins and that repentance isn't effectual until we have given some sort of reparation payments um, for that, for that repentance to, to work. You know, I I could just see the, the communist uh, branch of the Russian government, which is still in effect, uh, just sitting in a room, rubbing their hands, you know, right, wringing their hands going, man, this is working so well in America. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. Hey, look, it's, this has been in the works for over a hundred years now in, in America. So, um, what we've seen in the, just the last couple of years, it's really been steamrolling now, going downhill fast. Well, we've got to stand up and start fighting against it. But this is it's a sheer idiocy. It is, this kind of stuff will be the destruction of the United States. It will, but the, the, the issue is this. The way we fight it is with the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's the real gospel. The real gospel, yeah. Not, not this gospel we of we have to make up for wrongs of previous generations we fight with the gospel we also fight with laws with lawsuits with um protests we fight with by getting out socially they, they need to hear the hear the gospel but jesus said when he sent the disciples out into the world he said do you have a sword and they said no we have two cloaks he said sell a cloak and buy a sword we have the right of self-defense paul in Acts 17 appealed to caesar he had, and he used his citizenship as a Roman citizen in order to go to Rome and use the law to the advantage of what he had. We ought to be doing this. The same thing. I keep telling people over the radio, I've been saying it for years. If the Christians don't get out their stinking, lazy little rears and we start uniting and start fighting against this oppressive 
lie from the enemy, which ultimately is to destroy Christianity, to silence Christians from speaking. That's ultimately the goal. But the weapons that we use, first of all, is going to be prayer. We need that gospel right at the tip of our tongue to be able to give to people. They need that regenerative work. But for the unbelievers, that's who the law is for. And there's a verse for that, and I forget where it is. I have it memorized. The law is for the ungodly. And so we need to have that our laws that are already in the books enforced, and we need to get out there and get more laws passed to enforce righteousness. We need to have this done, and the Christians have got to stop being mamby-pamby little groups of whiners. In fact, I'm going to tell you this little story. This is, this is, it fits, it doesn't fit, but I'm going to say it anyway. I was talking to Chad Prigmore. We get him on. He can tell us more the details, so this is secondhand, but he said that because he's going to Africa. Chad Prigmore is a local pastor here. <clears throat> Andrew knows him. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So, Chad, we had lunch a couple, three days ago, and he was telling me about this guy he knows who arranges trips for mission works to uh, Africa. He's very connected. And uh, years ago, get this, a bunch of pastors were approached to go to Africa to preach and teach from America to Africa. And they would not go unless they could travel in first-class airline seats and get five-star hotels. And then they'd only speak to large groups. They wouldn't go to the outskirts outside of town. Well, this guy arranged all this. He was really disgusted with them for that, but he arranged it and finally got a group, a small group of these pastors to go. Apparently that was what they had, and that's what they, they got. Why? Because of positive confession. We're supposed to name it and claim it. The Lord's supposed to give us money and all this stuff. We could sit back in our laurels, et cetera, et cetera. At any rate, so he got these small group of pastors within that group to go to an outskirts of a town in order to preach the gospel. One of the pastors met a woman there and brought her back to his hotel room. And this guy said, I'm done with these people. Now, this is the kind of Christianity that's being presented in large parts of the world. I know a guy, and there's other issues I get into about these positive confession people who go in and rape and pillage the spiritual landscape and take money from the poor, and then they leave. They come back to the United States in their private jets. The Christians are being taught from these idiots, from these morons. And because of that, the Christians who are supporting them are help are partly responsible for the lies that are being disseminated, not only in the old, their own pulpits, but also in other parts of the world. The Christians have got to get off their lazy rears. We need a Christian man conference. Now, CMC, Christian man conference. And if you're a woman, you can make sandwiches for us. That'll, that'll just really make them happy. I mean, a man conference. What's that? Can they do that while they preach? Yeah, right. <laughs> And because it, and the reason is, you know, if the women want to help, they can help. But they, you know, it's for a man conference. We need to start getting manness elevated. It doesn't matter what race you are, what color, skin color. It, who cares? Follow what Jesus Christ was as the example. And you know what he did? He overturned the temple tables. He said, "You're your father, the devil. You're a whitewashed sepulcher. You're a hypocrite." And he spent time with the children. He spent time with the women, and in a godly way, he, with his authority that he had as God in flesh, he forgave sins. He healed people. He performed miracles. He taught, and he died. And and he corrected. He rebuked. And this is what we're supposed to be doing as men. And on the radio today, I got talking about this, and I said, "Men, you should stand up in your churches." 
and say, no, don't accept this anymore. And walk out with your families while the woman pastors up there, women elders up there, and just do it. And who cares what people think? And it's because of this kind of thing that social justice is able to take root because it's a weed. And it's, it's a weed. If it was built, if we had the solid rock, such weeds can't take root. But we don't have solid rock. We've got a mamby-pamby system of weak theology, weak understanding, weak men, uh, overly weak women in, in their roles, what they're supposed to be doing too. The men are really the ones that are to blame. And, they're, and as a whole, they're not being taught what they need to be taught. And the, the men are not teaching what they need to be uh, teaching. The pastors aren't doing their job overall in America. We've got this crap going forth, and it shouldn't be like that. You know, I, I do my radio show. I'm on 14 or 16 stations. I've been doing radio for 14 years, five days a week. We barely can make the bills, and it's only because we've got a great deal from the radio uh, station, from the network. And I mean a great deal. And the network head has been told has told me on more than one occasion that their people have said, get rid of me for a couple of reasons. One is, hey, look what I say. The other one is we can get money, uh, better people in there to pay more money, pay real money for that time. And he says, no, he wants a truth being taught. Now, <clears throat> praise God for that. That's the only reason I'm on the radio right now. But look at this. Why is it that I have to struggle so much to get money and funds even to pay the little but amount that we have to pay to get the radio on an incredibly great deal? Why? Because Christians aren't interested in stuff like that. They're interested in getting their bank accounts uh, increased, their health increased, their well-being. It's, it's uh, what's it called? Narcissus. Taking the Bible, using the scriptures to teach and preach about themselves, what they themselves can get. Now, God so loved the world that he gave, John three sixteen. the nature of love is to give. John fifteen thirteen. greater love has this than no man that he lay his life down for his friend. The very nature of true love is sacrificial. God is love, First John 4, 8. We're supposed to love God and love our neighbor. Those are two greatest commands by which we'll fulfill all the law. Now, if that's the case, how is it then that those people who are supposed to be true Christians who are loving God and loving their neighbor are then saying, I need to have what I need. I need to have everything that I need to have instead of the focus being other-centered. Now, I'm not saying don't have a retirement. I'm not saying don't have a job and insurance. I'm not saying that. It should be that we should have an other-centeredness in our theological perspective, not the ideas, the positive confession, moron, wacko, butthead heretics are teaching to the people and, and uh, speaking in tongues all at once and another person interprets and then they get this and don't touch God's anointed and throw your money up here on the stage and I need my third private jet, says um, Kenneth Copeland, who'd also taught Jesus appeared to him and never claimed to be God and God came from another planet and, or there's a mother planet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so know? Matt's on a roll. Th- thanks for spinning him up, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> but this is what to happen. I, I know what Christians can do. I yeah, mean, I know what look, Christians can look, do. Look, we, when we look at the and, New Testament, we and, saw and we. You guys know what you can do. The well, gospel's if you, powerful. If you look in the New Testament, you can see what happens. The world was turned upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ because people stood on what He said. They were fervent right. in prayer. They preached His word. They didn't back down. They, if they had to go to jail, they went to jail. They did what they had to do because this is what God said. Now you're right. It's it, you know the 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 American gospel, which by the way is a great video. Um, get get the video, great American gospel. But um, 
the American gospel has been so watered down that it doesn't make it does it's meaningless nowadays. So, all right. So, let, Andre, I want to I want to get Andre in. He doesn't have a lot of time left to get to his question. He's been waiting. His Matt's been spun up. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Andre, right. you're you've been added in. If you want to unmute yourself, let's see if I can unmute you. Or if, do 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 do. There we go. Let's see. Does that work? Barely can hear you. Let me turn you up as much as I can. Maybe I go a little closer to the mic. Get really close to the mic. Can you hear me better now? Yeah. Let me turn this up a little bit. Is that better? A little bit better. Okay. Well, that's probably as good as it's going to get. I'm sorry. So what's your question for us, Andre? Okay. Well, let me start off by saying this. I heard a debate between James White and Roger Perkins. And James White said, regarding Hebrews 10, verse 5, when he was trying to justify a pre-incarnate God the Son, um, and he is quoted saying, the one who took the body said, you have prepared a body for me. And that's at 27 minutes and 22. So that sparked my interest. Um, and I found Spurgeon in Low I Come, 1891. I found John MacArthur in 1970, Why Was Jesus Born?, John Gill in his commentary on Hebrews 10.5, and also uh, John Nelson Darby, they all agree that Jesus had a pre-created shell in Mary that he took on Christmas Eve. Do you agree with that? A pre-created shell? Yep. So they say, what, is this pistachios? <laughs> okay, I'll read, I'll read to you what John MacArthur said in 1970. And on that first Christmas Eve, there was a farewell going on in heaven. The Son said goodbye to the Father. Now the body of Christ was divinely prepared by God. The Holy Spirit had taken nine months to accomplish his work. And thus that body came, and with it came the second person of the Trinity. What book is that from? 1970, Why Was Jesus Born? John MacArthur on Grace to You. It's sermon number 12. The Son said goodbye to the Father? Yeah, that's... Oh, first of all, this shows where to get that. He believed in uh, eternal sonship before the 1980s because he says the son said goodbye to the father on Christmas Eve. And yeah, I affirm eternal sonship also. It's an intertrinitarian thing. Well, but the, to say the son said goodbye to the father is just ridiculous. Well, okay, so the thing is, this sparked my interest researching what Trinitarians actually believe about the incarnation. Are you a Trinitarian? Huh? Are you a Trinitarian? No, by studying, I came out of that. And I believe that, so, okay, maybe I should make a statement what I believe. The central verse is John 1.14, which says the word became flesh, and the word is used, you know, my is 1096. Anytime it's connected with two nouns, and there is no exception, it talks about a transition from condition to condition. Why would it not mean that in John 1.14? In First John one verse one, it says that the logos of life was seen. And oh, okay, can I wait? Hold on, hold on. You're going too too much. You're just saying too much. Well, that's but oh, the basis of a debate would be that I first make the case, and then you can. Respond. Well, hold on, I, hold on. I want to I want to ask you something. I mean, you said John one fourteen, the word became flesh. What are you saying by that? I'm I'm not saying anything. Something. <sighs> okay, look, look. Let me tell you something. I've had thousands of discussions with thousands of people, and I ask them, what do you think that is? I'm not saying it. The Bible says it. Now, look, 
Yeah. I can quote the verse, and I can say, this is what the Bible says, and use it against you. This is why I'm specifically asking you. I have a specific question I want to get to. I want to know what you think it means, what you think it means that the Word became flesh. What do you think that means? I just told you that any time it's used in the Bible, when, when we find ginomai, such as in water becoming wine, stones to become bread, the sea becoming blood, it's always a transition from condition to condition. And so this... Then I have a question for you. Well, if the word became flesh, was it no longer the word? It was the word, but it was not flesh. Hold on a second. If the word became flesh, yeah. and you're... Hold on. And you're saying that water becomes wine. If the water becomes wine, is the wine also water? It was in a different condition. Before is, is wine and water the same thing? Okay, again, you're trying to cross-examine me too early. Yes, I am. Is wine and water the same hold thing? On, hold on. I was going to tell you that the word of life was seen and handled. It was touched. The okay, was wa it was, is wine and water the same thing? Hey, you're not letting me wait for one and a half hours to continue. Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Hold on, Matt. Hold, hold on one second. All you want to do is teach. No, hold on. Listen, listen. Andre. Andre, hold on. Hold on. have made your statement. Andre. Before you ask me questions, I would like to make a case. Okay. Because you said I can debate you on it on your channel. Then, Andre. Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. Let me explain the way this works. Hold on, Matt. The way this works is if you'd like to have a formal debate, we set that up. If you, when we do open Q&A, it's for questions and answers. Well, Matt said you can debate me on Thursday. Well, okay, so okay. email me. We'll set up a debate. Jason? Set one up. Yeah. Jason. Jason. Set one up. You agree, Matt? It's, it, no, his name's Andre. Jason, hold on. Uh, 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 Andre, sorry. Andre, I don't know if you're worth the time. And the reason I'm saying this is because I can't even get you to answer a simple question. Because you want to play your psychology on me. I'm going to make my case first. Hold, hold on a sec. Hold on. Then Andrew. You can respond Andrew. Andrew. Yeah, I muted him. Uh, uh, I'm not using my psychology on you. It's not an issue of psychology. I simply ask you a simple question. Does the water, when it becomes wine, is it still water? Simple. The word flesh. The word okay. became flesh. So you, see, look, we can't have a debate because you can't have a discussion. A debate is not a discussion. A debate is one guy makes a case, the other guy can answer, then you can have a rebuttal. Excuse me. And then you can cross-examine me on it. And the cross-examination is what we're doing right now, and you can't bear to do early. that. That's too early. You need to okay. let me make a case first. Okay, I'm trying to be patient with you, and this I'm just testing you. If you want a piece of me, then answer my question piece of you i know that you are wrong because you're following a dogma that okay get right Stop, silence them yeah. silence them look okay here's the here's the problem i'm trying to have a discussion with him and notice what's happening every time i try and ask him something he won't let me finish he yeah. tries to dominate the conversation he challenges me but he won't even have and he I can't even say my point because he keeps interrupting me okay let, let me let me clarify it <clears throat> um so I, I muted him for a minute Andre, you came into a Q&A, not a debate. And, okay, now he's gone if he's going to give the middle he finger. Wine. He can go so, yep. else. so he just revealed he's probably not a Christian. He didn't get his way. Look, folks, <clears throat> when you do an open question and answer, that's what it is. It's a question and answer. Now, you could give a challenging question and 
challenge Matt. But when we when we set up a formal debate, there's rules to a debate. There's a times, and that's why we devote the full two hours when we do a formal debate. So each side has an opening. Each side gets the cross examination. Each side gets a. Uh, you know, their their closing arguments, and we can ask maybe some questions. But the reality is, is it seems Andre came in here to challenge without giving Matt time to prepare. Matt's trying to get clarifying questions. He doesn't want to be challenged. He wants to, as Matt said, teach. Look, if, if Andre would have come in respectfully and said, hey, I would like to set up a debate, there's an easy way to do this. Folks, if you would like to set up a debate with Matt or I, you simply contact me and we set it up, okay? Info at strivingforeternity.org. Email us and set it up. We have some debates that we're trying to line up, uh, some that <clears throat> have to wait till, for Matt, have to wait till his wife gets a little bit better, but... The reality is you don't just come into the open Q&A and, and look to, to end up just dominating and make it into a debate when it wasn't set up for that. I, I have no problem setting up the debate. We've used this show to set up plenty of debates, but that's not what this is for. Yeah, let me add, I, I, I've said this before, I've done this before, where someone's kind of challenged me, I'll ask a question. And some people might think, well, that's a little bit, uh, you know, narrow. Why are you doing that so quickly? I have a reason for it. And I told him what the reason was. I can't even get him to answer a simple question now that I won't be able to get him to answer a simple question later. Correct. And that's why I wanted to see. He made a logic mistake. Also, I can see what level of logic he understands. And obviously, he doesn't. Obviously, he doesn't know what he's doing in that area. And he wasn't even um, polite enough to allow me to ask the question and get a simple answer. It was a test. That's all. To see if he's worth debating. No. Because just because I get challenges, I have to accept a challenge. You know? But if he wants to come on and discuss it, then let's discuss it. And let me also explain why I ejected him, because nobody was able to see that, except for those of us in the room. He did a hand gesture that was disrespectful. What do you do? He basically gave us all the middle finger. Uh, and that's, I mean, if he's going to come in and say and he's... he wants to debate me, and this yeah. is how he behaves? Yeah. So I was right, wasn't I, to find out and to dig. I get challenges from people, and I say, oh, I'm going to find out if they're, you know, I don't mean it's a derogatory sense, if they're worth debating. Because I'm not saying they're not worth, you know, it's a human being, but, you know, just because somebody's, you know, been saved three days and said, I want to debate Matt Slick, wait a minute, you know, let's let's hold on. So I want to see, he just gave himself away. Yeah. You know, it's bad news. Let me add in Mr. James here. He's come in. Uh, James, actually, you know, before James comes in, um, you mentioned um, Chad Pridmore and what you may not know, Matt, I know you had lunch with Chad. Because this week, because I was talking to him just before he headed out for lunch with you, but Chad is a new podcaster on the Christian podcast community. He's got a new podcast called The Way Radio. The very first initial teaser is up. Uh, once iTunes accepts him, he's going to be dropping his episodes. You, Matt, remember when he used to be on the radio with, uh, I think it was just before you or after you or, but he used to be at the radio station there and then he went to yeah. podcasting and he was podcasting, but who he was hosting through 
they ended up shutting down. So he's now with the Christian Podcast Community. Uh, we have, I think, like a, a I want to say like, oh, I don't know, 12 or 13 podcasts, 14 podcasts there now. I forget. Um, it's growing. But one of them is also James Watkins here, who's just coming in, uh, and he can unmute himself. He is the host of Five Solas podcast, uh, also part uh, the the founder of Five Solas Ministries. So there's an introduction to Mr. James. Hey, so I wasn't expecting this. I called you out in a video a little bit ago that I did. Oh, you mean you called me out while we were doing this show? Yeah, I, I totally forgot you were doing the show. I was telling, I was going to tell you about a special surprise that uh, that we have for you, but well, you didn't get on. So I, I don't know if you get the surprise now. Yeah, I don't. I saw that I was tagged, and you said there's a surprise. But hey, all right. Oh, Anthony's pointing to himself. He whatever the surprise is, he wants it because Anthony well, thinks it's Anthony all about him. To give me a call anyway, so I, maybe maybe I can work something out for him. Sounds like you. You're, 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 um, I, I'm, I'm walking through evangelism. I did three sermons on Sundays at a church near me on evangelism. And, uh, last Saturday and the next two Saturdays, I'll be doing uh, evangelism training with them, like out at, at, at uh, the farmer's market. Your tracks went like hotcakes, James. I had <laughs> several hundred. They are all gone. Awesome. So I have to order some more for you. Well, man, you, you the, um, the new ones that we have, the Faith Alone and Christ Alone ones, man, they look like they're they're just they're we just up the game on them. That's but, great. Um, I've got some I, Catholics that need those. Okay, well, since since you mentioned the tracks, uh, I, I'll give a quick commercial to explain the tracks. So I had to take my shirt off. Here's the gospel tract that James that he was talking about. This is one of the tracks he makes. And if you look, they go along with the shirts. Can you get me a So the tattoo that Andrew has as well. Yeah. So it's this is just stamped right on my forehead. God exists. He has spoken. Um, Yeah. The the tracks come along with you know yeah the the t-shirts that match the tracks, which is a a really cool idea. Uh, First one I know that has ever done that, but um, that has that actually has these tracks go out really really quick. And and look, the the print on the back is so big, even Matt can read it at his age. Like I, I went on like a tangent on that one. Like I, I went like full blown book mode on that track. But these right here um, is it's the first three of the solas: Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone. And like the print on them is just so much bigger. And I didn't skip a thing. Yeah. So, so are you saying I, Matt would be able to read it even with his old eyes? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even you could. <laughs> <laughs> But Matt, um, I, I wasn't expecting to come on here, but uh, since I'm on, um, I just asked my wife if she'd like to do it, and she said yes. I heard you talking about the financial support, um, something that we're wanting to start in July is we want to start donating a percentage of the sales that we get from the tracks and the uh, shirts that we do to a ministry each month. So each month we would select the ministry to donate those proceeds to, and we would like to uh, do that for you guys the first month. Hey, praise God. So um, I'll send you an email with the information on it. We don't ask for anything in return, just uh, goals to get the gospel out. So yeah, well, send, hey man, send what, Matt an email. He'll never read it. In? Uh, I am in little Georgia. Um, Georgia, I, think, Georgia. I, I think I'm only about, I think I'm probably the third Calvinist in the state. 
Um, well, do you hear me on the radio out there? Uh, I'm just yeah. curious. Yeah, I do. I, I tune in every day. It, it pings okay. on my phone at 6, so 3 p.m. every day. Oh, awesome. Because I was thinking that um, I keep mentioning out there, and there are people who want me to come out and speak and preach. So maybe it'll happen. Maybe, we can, you know, it'd be great to meet you. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, I Actually, I went out this past Friday, and I street preached for the first time. I've been talking about doing it for probably the last four years, and I finally did it. Um, and there's a huge event coming up in September where there's going to be about 50,000 people, and the only people evangelizing the event are uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Um, where? What's this? It's, it's in Augusta, Georgia. It's called Arts and the Hearts Festival, I believe. Uh, but it's a huge cultural event, so there's a whole lot of different ethnicities out there. Um, there's black Hebrew Israelites. There's Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, so it, it'd be a When's it going to be? Uh, it's September, the middle of September, if I remember right. But there's another huge one coming up. The Masters Tournament is in April, and I'm trying to I'm going to start trying to get support together. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses are the only ones out there. 250,000 people a year go through there, and the Jehovah's Witnesses are the only ones doing something. So my goal this year is to generate enough support to be able to supply 100,000 gospel tracts and go out there and... That, that reminds me, have you ever seen the warning track on from CARM? Yeah, yeah. I have. I have. Maybe, you know, use that if you want. But, um, man, you know, I'm interested in that thing out there. Uh, but, yeah, it's, we need those tracks out there. We need those tracks out there. Yeah, and that's something, um, I mean, with probably 50,000 people out there, I'd really like to order a batch of about 25,000 tracks and... Well, hey, James, real quick, why don't, can you give the website where people can order T-shirts and tracks and whatnot? Yeah, it's www.fivesolasministries.com. It's the number five. You don't have to spell five out. Uh, but there is the, right now we have the first three solas, Grace Alone, Faith Alone, Christ Alone, and the shirts and the gospel tracts. Um, and we have a, a support page as well. Uh, for people, because my, my goal is, is that whenever I hear of like Andrew having uh, a Jersey fire or something, and you know they need they need something like gospel tracks, you know I want to be able to have enough support in place where I can say, okay, well I'm going to send you up fifteen thousand gospel tracks so you guys can go evangelize. Well, James, uh, July was it July thirteenth? Uh, I'll, I'll double check the date, but July thirteenth. If you want to get the tracks ready for Jersey, we have another equipped Jersey coming up. Yeah, let's uh, let's put uh, yep. on there first. It's July <laughs> July thirteenth. So, you know, if you want to send them, and folks, if if you do want to be part of the equip jersey, just go to equipjersey.org, equipjersey.org, and we're we have opened the the registration there. So, if you want to join for that, uh, Doctor Sylvester will be speaking. I'll be speaking. Uh, pastor Frank Mullis will be speaking. James kind of knows him. That's his pastor. Um, and uh, we'll probably be bringing in Ray Comfort for a Q&A uh, via a simulcast. So uh, that's the plan. Then we go out and do some evangelism, hand out lots of tracks. Yep. I'd love to go out there with you, but somebody has to stay behind and preach whenever Frank's on vacation. Does that mean you're not coming to Repent and Witness in New York? Is Frank coming to Repent and Witness? Because if he has, then I can't. Well, you know what? You could just, it's Frank. You know what? You could just play a you know, recording of someone. Everyone falls asleep anyway when he preaches. I mean, I've seen the videos. 
it's kind of like when Matt preaches. It's just like nap time. Yeah. yeah. Well, the irony is, is whenever I preach, you know, they're, they're all smiles afterwards. I don't know if I'm tickling their ears or if they just enjoy it that much. They were just glad it was over. Their ears. <laughs> they were glad it was over. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. So you got to be like Anthony that gets them smiling during the message. See, that's when it's good, you know. <laughs> well, Frank comes up to me every time I preach, and the first time he said it, I didn't quite catch it. So I was like, man, he just gave me the first compliment he's ever gave me. He was like, you're going to make a good preacher one day after my first sermon. One day. I won't take up any more of the time in case somebody wants to come on. But, Matt, I'll send you an email with the information. Um, and we, I mean, we'd really like to do that for you guys that you've had, you had a huge impact on me. Um, I, I, I used to profess to be an atheist and, uh, the Lord drew me by a near suicide attempt. And whenever mm. I was coming out of that atheism being drawn, uh, and I was having all my questions, you know, it was calm that I went on to and was getting the answers to everything I'd always wondered. So and Justin Peters' ministries, ironically enough, and then I stum- stumbled upon this guy named Andrew Rappaport's website when I was in the charismatic movement. So, Good. Well, it just proves that God is, can use three fools for his glory to bring someone else <laughs> into the kingdom. Well, if you say four fools, I think Andrew qualifies as two. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember that one. You got well, okay. Yeah, I'll watch the video I'm later. Tell you what it is now, but there, you got something coming. Yeah. So, so wait. Let me. I'm, I'm just looking at Matt's shirt there, and it, it does look like he spilt his coffee. Look at that. We got him so spun up. Look at that white shirt. He's got the coffee stain. Yep. There we go. Oh, this this is part of the shirt. Oh, sure it is. I need to do a laundry. And I did, no, this is not new. This is old. And my wife always goes, don't wear that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember it being there before. All right. So <laughs> I, added, I added Vincent, and we got a couple minutes left. Vincent is a regular from long ago, but we haven't seen him in a while. So I added him in. Uh, Vincent, you know how to unmute yourself, so go ahead and do that. How, how are y'all doing? Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Um, we've been mostly hanging out on Discord and talking with all kind of interesting characters over there. So, I, I, Matt, Matt has his channel over there, too, so we drop in there. Yeah. So, but, uh, how you doing, Vincent? Any questions or, uh, or anything for us tonight? Yeah, I just dropped in to see how y'all are doing because I hadn't talked to y'all in a while. Yeah, actually, I, 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 I'm going to contact you after the show because I got some questions about Discord, but uh, yeah. Sure. Hey, Matt, have you moved to your new location yet or what? No, we had to postpone it because we, to the end of the year, because uh, we found out that when we go there, we'll be out of network and therefore, for insurance, medical insurance, therefore my wife's uh, deductible will start all over again. And just, you know, I mean, she has surgery. She had a surgery on her back today. Where, you oh, know, much prayers to y'all's way, man. Much prayers. So we got to yeah. wait, and hopefully we'll just see. You know, we may have to move in December because it starts in January. The new stuff. We may have to get down there, and we got to strategize how it works. And she still wants to go, and like, okay, so we'll do it. You know. Yep. Definitely list, uh, praying for you guys. So thanks. I really appreciate that because we definitely need it. Yeah. So I added uh, Kat in here if she has any questions. Uh, or if she just wants to say hello, we, we have a couple minutes left. 
Oh, you're letting me say hello. Thank you. Okay, now I'm muting you. I was <laughs> muted. Okay, that was it. She she tried saying too much. No, go ahead. You can unmute yourself again. <laughs> you guys realize that she has a point and we have zero, right? Yeah, but but the difference is I I have I have the mute ability. No sandwiches for you. No, no. You just get bread. Although actually, see, I have just one point because I am female. But um, who was it? Uh, Andrew pointed out earlier. Matt is higher on the totem pole than all of you guys because he has Aspergers, which is considered a disability. Oh, uh, that's tr- that's yeah. true. Except for one thing. There you go. Hold it, but but wow, he's not above me because I'm I'm Jewish, and therefore we were victimized in in, in the Nazi Holocaust camps. So but you're not Jewish anymore, so it's probably only half a point. Oh. I am still Jewish. No, wait, I'm still Jewish. And 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 the the slavery of the Jews in the 1940s was much more recent than the slavery of African Americans. Just saying. Well, I'm bald. Does that give me a point? No, that just makes you ugly. Not, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, 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 hey, 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 hey! Listen, wow, grass doesn't grow on a busy highway. Said from someone who's bald. <laughs> hey, hey, Matt, do you like your full head of hair? Yeah, I'm glad I still have it, too, at 62 years old. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Vincent, some of us, their brains just press too hard up against the skull and, uh, and right. the hair gets There's no off. room for that hair. It just keeps pushing it out. <laughs> That's exactly right, Anthony. I know the feeling. Yep. You see what you yeah. started, Kat? You, you, you're, you triggered everyone here. Anthony only triggered Matt. You triggered everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally not sorry because you know if you're laughing you're smiling and I'm okay with it. Yeah. Oh. So, so, so Matt, uh, when are you going to start studying this uh, whole critical race theory, intersectionality, social justice? Well, I don't know because uh, I'll just be transparent here. Don't um, be too transparent. Not too, just a little. So how about translucent, not transparent? Um, that uh, I'm so. I'm under such pressure right now in different categories and different things that I don't have that dedicated energy I need to, to do for that. Gotcha. And, and so there's a lot of things. Oh, but you know what we could do? We could spin you up every week on this. I, that's what I'm saying. Next week, my first thing I'm going to do is bring this up again. <laughs> 8.01 p.m. <laughs> you know, okay, yeah. <laughs> You know, though, in, in all fairness, people have to learn about this because this this is still a shocker. So, so Matt, and you know, you you weren't there at um, Shepherd's Conference with Andrew and I, a lot of others. This is this is what shocked me. I thought everybody in the world, Shepherd's Conference, MacArthur's Conference, uh, G three. No, no, Shepherd's so Conference is John MacArthur's pastors conference at Grace Community Church in in L A. So I expected that when that whole Q&A happened and uh, some, some hard questions were given from Phil Johnson to, to Mark Dever and, uh, and um, Al Mohler, I, would have ex- I expected everybody there, all, what is it, 2,500, 3,000 people or so that were there, or maybe more, Andrew, I don't know. More. But I expected all the people that were there to know exactly what was going on. I was shocked. I don't know about you, Andrew. I was shocked that, what is it, maybe 15% of guys knew what was going yeah. on? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot. There were a lot of pastors that have no idea, you know, and for the same reason Matt doesn't. You know, the thing is, is that a lot of the pastors are 
and, and a lot of people don't understand what it's like being, you know, pastor having having just your whole day. You're trying to get your study in, but then you have visitations. You have this. You have that. You have all these different things going on. It's hard to to find time to just see what's going on out there in the world. Yeah. And so it's the same with Matt. Matt's you know busy with you know writing articles, preparing to move, taking care of you know being a full time caregiver. Now it, you, you don't have the time. To, to keep up on stuff. I mean, you basically, you know, I have, I have like guys like you and Justin Peters and, you know, Tom Buck and others that keep me informed, but I don't have time to, to follow all the stuff. Like I saw what happened at the SBC, but I haven't had a chance to start reading it yet. I'm going to hopefully do that tonight. But, uh, yeah, you know, you, you'll be as bald as I am by the time you pull all your hair out from reading all these articles. It is, it's insane. <laughs> what uh, what you're going to see in there, right. but you know the real danger in all this though is that we see this here in Cleveland, Ohio. There's been a number of churches that it just gets slipped in. Somebody brings it in under the guise of of let's root out racism, and instead it's literally a reverse racism, and they're bringing in the whole social justice movements into churches. Well, it's it's actually not a reverse racism. It's well, it's racism by its definition. It's that they've they're, they well, they redefine right. it. They redefine racism, and now racism is about economic status. So I mean, it's like I've had I've had African Americans who told me they can't be racist because they're oppressed. Um, I I don't know. They they get into you know like I I know my kids being even half Asian couldn't get. Uh, scholarships for being a minority and the reason I was told that they're not a minority as Asians is because they're smart enough so it doesn't it, minority doesn't mean minority it, it means do you need extra help and the, the, the thing that you ended up seeing is that you have plenty of people who I'm working hard to, to take care of my kids but they can't get any scholarships in, in college and then you have other people who just because they're a certain color of skin or whatever de- determined, they get all these scholarships that are available to them so that they can get into college. Now, right. I think it's good to have everyone get have an opportunity to get into college, but when you start saying, well, only certain people can get the benefits of, you know, they're saying that we have a privilege, and I'm going, well, I, I'm not seeing it because getting your scholarships paid for for college, that was like $200,000 per kid, that seems like an awful lot of privilege to not have to pay that. Right. right. You're, you're too high on the privilege scale, Andrew. Just. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I remember, I remember Vody Bakum talking, um, this has got to be five or six years ago now where he, he was, he was called that white guy who looks like us by Africans when he was, when he was, this is before he he left his church in, in Houston, resigned and went over to, um, you know, and went over there permanently. He was he was on some type of trip in Africa, and I can't remember where, but uh, we saw him at a homeschooling conference here in Cleveland, and he said that he was a, he was they they said that he looks he 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 looks like us, but he talks and acts like the white guy. So they were actually calling him a white guy who looks like us. Well, and, and Vody, it's one of those things that really stuck in my mind. And this is before the whole social justice movement thing hits. It's, um, and so I, I bring this up because it's, 
when they look at the Bill Cosby's, remember Bill Cosby, um, what, 15 or 20 years? I know it's a bad name now, but 15, 20 years ago when the whole Ebonics movement was hit, or it was, was, was hitting, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill Cosby came out and said, wait a minute, guys, what are you doing? Why would we, why would we make up this other language for English in, instead of teaching African-Americans correct English? Why are we pretending there's another way to speak English? And, uh, and he was vilified for it. And so what you find is that, is that the African-Americans that have stood up against this nonsense have been literally tossed aside in this whole movement. Mm-hmm. Even today, I mean, we, we saw Vody Bakum speak at G3, right? The pre-conference, the whole social justice pre-conference thing. And he made, it, he made a joke about it there that he was going to be vilified for his stance because he's a black guy that has literally broke ranks from well the the guys from <clears throat> just thinking podcast you know daryl and virgil they've been called all kinds of names uncle tom and all because you know as they point out on their podcast and it's a great podcast the just thinking podcast but as they point out the whole issue of racism no longer has to do with the color of skin or the amount of melanin in skin it, it has to do with a social economic argument okay yeah. and so they're not, they're white because they're not supporting these ideas that should be supported of socialism. And the, the reality is it's, it's, it's socialism's failed every time it's tried, but, yeah. but everyone always thinks they, they'll do it better. Yeah. Well, and we can point <clears throat> back to scripture. I mean, I, I want to hear somebody complain about why God gave one person 10 talents, another one, five talents, another one, two talents, or one, I can't remember, was it one, five and 10, two, five and 10, mm-hmm. but why aren't they complaining about that? I mean, we have to understand too that that God has allowed some people to have more, some people to have less, right? Isn't this part of the argument today? Uh-huh. So, you know, they really have an issue with God Himself. It really shouldn't be directed at at who they blame, which is the white male for oppressing everybody. One ten and a hundred is what Vincent has. Uh, yeah. Has so, because <clears throat> we're going to have to wrap it up, we do have an after show, uh, I'll, and I'll get you guys the link. Um, we didn't. We didn't uh, give shout outs to our, you know, to some of the sponsors and for for the show. We uh, we the show is sponsored. Well, sort of. Metzlik Live is actually sponsored by My Pillow, but we try to help out Metzlik Live to, as Matt said, with the radio show that he does. Uh, they gave a great deal, and so we try to give back to the radio station a bit with uh, my pillow. Both Matt and I use it, so we're not promoting something mm-hmm. we don't love. Uh, but I took mine to the Philippines. I wouldn't have gone without it. I might have dropped some other things by the side, but not the, my pillow. Uh, but if you want to get a my pillow, call one eight hundred nine four four five three nine six. That's one eight hundred nine four four. 5396. Let them know that you heard about it on Apologetics Live and Matt Slick Live. So, we're this is a ministry of striving for eternity. If you guys want to hear this in podcast form, it, these get turned into podcasts. Uh, they will usually every either the day after or the week after, depending if we got backed up. But uh, we did get backed up now, so tomorrow will be. Anthony Silvestro, convincing Matt Slick that the Earth is actually young. I haven't listened to it yet, but 
<laughs> I think Matt's convinced, actually. I think he was always convinced. He just doesn't want to admit it. He, he's he likes to look, see. He agrees with scripture. It's just that simple. But <laughs> but uh, but this is a podcast. You could go to Apologetics Live in any podcast app and listen to it. You could check out my podcast, Rap Report, this week uh, Sunday. I will probably be dealing with more of the issues that we dealt with. In the beginning of this pot or this show, uh, I will deal with women's roles in the church. Uh, I've gotten a lot of heat on on some comments I made over at the Philippines. Some comments I made uh, about Beth Moore. Uh, it seems that uh, the, this the arguments made for women pastors, women preachers, uh, are very bad arguments, and I'm going to probably tackle those this Sunday. And so I encourage you to check out Rap Report. There's two of them, a daily Monday through Friday, two minutes a day if you want some short uh, devotional type things. Uh, If you want something longer, just go to the Rap Report and get that. They're all... part of the Christian podcast community. If you want to check out the rest of our podcast, just go to Christian uh, Christian podcastcommunity.org and you will get that there. So with that, I think, uh, Matt, I'm going to give you the link here for the after show. If you guys want to grab that, give you guys a couple of seconds or so to go over there before I drop it into the YouTube channel. Folks, we appreciate you coming in. And again, like I said earlier, the the monetization of these videos, the super chats, which we're glad that we got, uh, I think it was $24 tonight uh, from different people that goes to karm.org and we appreciate that. And But if you would like to help Striving for Eternity, you can go to strivingforeternity.org slash donate. Let me let you know what you get if you donate to us on a monthly basis. Uh, for just a $2 a month donation, whether you do it through Patreon or PayPal, uh, we give the gifts out after a few, after a couple of months, uh, after a few months, we'll, we'll get you those, those gifts. But $2 donation gets you my book, What Do We Believe? It's a Christian theology. If you give $5 a month, you'll get What Do We Believe plus What Do They Believe? And if you give $10 a month, you get those two books I mentioned that I wrote, plus Dr. Silvestro's book on the origin of kinds. If you give $20 a month, you get those three books mentioned, plus one that both Matt and I contributed to called Sharing the Good News with Mormons. Uh, if you could give $25 a month, what we're going to try to do with $25 a month gifts is find missionaries that we can give free podcast equipment and hosting so that they can, instead of writing letters to their church supporting churches that no one actually reads they could create a podcast and build better relations with their supporting churches to better strengthen the missions around the world so that's some of what we're looking to do if you want to help with that go to strivingforeternity.org slash donate so we guys we thank you guys matt thanks for your time coming in here again and joining us answering some tough questions dr silvestro for spinning matt up because it's always fun to watch matt's face when he gets spun up (laughs) sorry matt (laughs) you guys aren't sorry (laughs) i just can't believe you haven't heard that stuff before (laughs) i read i've been reading it all day today it's it's uh still calming down from it yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Yeah, maybe you know. Have a, I'll do some research on it. We could have a conversation. You're ahead of me, so we can figure it out. But yeah, yeah. it needs to be talked. No, we we got to do that live. So we and the look on your face when you hear these things is is just 
classic. <laughs> um, and we do thank Charlie Spine. Charlie is super quick with the links, uh, giving links in the chat. I mean, he I think he knows Carm better than Matt Slick. I'm just saying, there. you know, uh, we appreciate James coming in from Five Solas Ministry, Vincent uh, from the council, and uh, you guys are all, we thank you all for coming in. Next week, we'll have another show, and uh, please come in with your questions. Be respectful. No giving the middle finger. You will get booted for things like that. Uh, if you want to set up a debate, hey, listen, that's what this is for. Just contact me at info at strivingforeternity.org, and we could set up that debate. Whether you want it with Matt, you want it with me, you give a topic, we try to work it out. But something tells me, Andre, you blew your chance. You should have been polite about it. Until next week, remember to strive to make today an eternal day for the glory of God.